It's time for Tupelo Tom and Big Lou talking. And now, here's Tupelo Tom and Big Lou. I'm Tupelo Tom. And I'm Big Lou. And we're We're talking. talking. Oh my goodness. That little guitar lick at the end of the open is just so, so sassy. Some would say it rocks. It does rock. It's it's great to 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 be uh, talking to you. We uh, we survived Elvis week barely. Uh, I was going to say I survived without uh, any noticeable um, degradation in health. Jeff, yours was not the same. Uh, I don't have COVID, but I do have uh, the post festival funk that people get a lot of times at these festivals. But I am surviving. I'm sometimes you got to play hurt, as the great Dan Jenkins wrote one day. That's right. And and uh, a lot of people, of course, as we were saying, Elvis week, um, nine days, Elvis week. And I just figured it up. I was in the guest house hotel 10 nights. And uh, that's a lot of missed room service. I got to tell you. I was in the Atlanta airport two nights and then I was at the guest house. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't planned on your part. You You started rocky, but you pulled it together there by the end of the week. And I got to hand it to the Memphis airport and the folks at the guest house. Uh, they did get me my luggage, and they called me in my room while I was asleep and said, your luggage is here. So thank you for everybody that's involved in that, because I'm sure they're listening. Well, and also, uh, by the way, saying they called and woke you up, it, it could have been two in the afternoon. I mean, <laughs> it was, I uh, think, actually. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, what a great week it was. You know, I, I wrote this um, on my Facebook post that every year I say, Elvis Week can't get any better than this, and it continues to get better every year. There were so many uh, fun events. I thought EPE did a great job of really putting on some great and original ultimate uh, and, and ETA events. I thought that were fun and your conversations was fantastic. And that's kind of what we're here to recap and talk about. When you go to, to festivals like this and you're working the festival, you don't get to really enjoy as many shows as you would if you were a fan going to the festival because being a fan means you just go, and there's no preparation involved other than selecting your outfit uh, you know, <laughs> to go to the party or the concert. But when you're working a festival, any downtime is spent either prepping for your next event that you host or resting from the previous event for the next event you're hosting. So there's a lot of holes in my schedule that I look back over Elvis week, and I was like, oh, I wish I could have been at that show. But you know, we have to, we're working. And so we don't get, we don't get around. So it's been fun reading everybody on the social medias, uh, about what, what they were able to do and all the people that were, again, like we've been experiencing with the festivals around the country that we've attended this year, all the young fans that are going to first time festivals and a first time, a lot of first time Elvis week attendees. So it's great to, great to, great to meet them. And we started off Elvis week or I started off Elvis week with um, a contest that I'm so glad has come back. And that, of course, is The Last Chance. Mm-hmm. I won The Last Chance in 2013 that allowed me to to um, be a part of the ultimate one time. It was a goal I never thought would happen. So it's a very special contest to me. My first Elvis week, I got runner-up in it, and that kind of put me on the map of, of the Elvis world back when I was in ETA. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was real exciting because... Ben Thompson won the last chance a few years ago and then went on to win the ultimate. Then we didn't have it for a couple of years. And then we had the last chance that Victor Trevino Jr. won. 
and he ended up winning the ultimate. And then we had the first chance, which we'll talk about, and a special young man won that. And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. So the last chance was fantastic, and Cliff Wright won it. Congratulations, Cliff, and went on to be in the ultimate. And, uh, of course, everybody knows Cliff's band, Infinity, which is a great band we have in the Elvis world now. Wednesday night, uh, first round of the ultimate, and my after party, we had Jason Russo with uh, TIC from Australia, Haytor Crespo, who plays guitar with them. He's from Brazil. Two outstanding musicians and young men. We've talked about Finley Watkins and Braxton Sykes, who are phenomenal guitar players already. Radney Pennington played bass, and he's such a great entertainer. We had uh, <laughs> we had Jody McDowell on piano. Dean Z was there. Of course, everybody knows Dean, and he's such a phenomenal guy and a great talent. Timmy joined us, uh, and, and Daniel with um, Infinity played some drums with us as well. Casey Hutchinson, who's we'll talk about her in a little bit as well. She's a great singer. Michaela McDowell, all of them joined us, along with a lot of ETAs that were there, guests from all over the world. And it was probably our best after party to date, certainly with, with Elvis Presley Enterprises. I'm so glad that they have us be a part of that. So, but that, that kind of kicked the week off, and it just went up from there. Yeah, and uh, that that's uh, one of those shows I didn't get to go to. So, yeah, sounds like it was a fun time I missed. Uh, but that was a day I'd also started uh, doing uh, – I did – I figured it up, Jeff. Um, I did three hidden Graceland tours with Angie Marchese. I did three Linda Thompson tours with Angie Marchese and Linda. And I did two with Jerry and Angie. And ten people at each of those – on each of those tours. And between the eight Graceland tours, I spent a little over 24 hours in the mansion uh, in Graceland. And when you say Jerry, of course, you mean Jerry Schilling, who we were so fortunate to interview uh, in our best podcast today. It was such an honor. Uh, Tom, if you don't mind, because I want to go on that tour so bad, but, you know, the founders get the first dibs and they always sell out right away. Tell us about what the tour entails. Well, I mean, it's only 10 people. And the tour really is organic in that we kind of ebb and flow by what people are interested in. And Angie, we start in the living room. We have show and tell. We bring some items out for you to see that might be in, in drawers or in cabinets. And uh, usually there's the opportunity uh, to remove one's shoes and to, in your, uh, in your shoeless feet, uh, walk over the white carpet in the living room, into the music room, and take some photos around the piano and the mirror on the wall, which is a mirror that was um, on Audubon uh, in the house. And there's a famous photo with Gladys and Elvis in the mirror. Lisa used the mirror for a record promo shoot, and then you can take your picture uh, with the mirror in the music room. Wow. But just And an opportunity to, to look at Graceland from that angle back toward the foyer and into the dining room, which is always interesting. And we go kind of room to room and there's, there's opportunities for you in some, some of the rooms to be able to visually go some places and see some things that you can't do on a regular tour. And, uh, we always ask people not to post anything on social media until all the tours are complete because we want them to be a surprise for the, for the rest of the people that are, that are on the tour. And then the Linda and Jerry Schilling tours, Linda Thompson and Jerry Schilling, Linda lived at the mansion for about four and a half years with Elvis. And she has some fantastic stories and uh, just walking around the mansion and telling us about things that happened in particular places. Like, you know, Elvis was doing karate here. Here's um, you know, here's uh, 
where he was when he shot the TV in the jungle. I mean, just different, you know, different stories wow. like that. Just amazing things. And uh, Jerry, the same thing. I mean, talking about stories that happened uh, in inside the mansion in the places that they happened. I mean, to hear Jerry talk about sitting down and having breakfast with Dodger in the morning, uh, uh, Elvis's grandmother, and in the in the kitchen and, and showing the counter, like I sat here, he said, and she sat there, and we talked about things. You know, it's just it's just a neat opportunity and and people interaction back and forth there's only 10 people you get to ask all the questions you want to ask for of those people and there's also a photo opportunity robert die from epe the uh, photographer comes and takes your uh, official photograph with the celebrity and uh, it, it's just a it's a really neat tour and they they always you're right they always sell out rather quickly and uh, I, I hope they continue them on because i know it doesn't give a lot of people an opportunity to participate but those people that do, it is it is the kind of tour that it's just once in a lifetime. I mean, it's 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 such a special way to see the mansion and Linda's and uh, the the hidden tours were at six p.m. So it's golden hour. So a lot of people you take photos out in front of the mansion with the sun because the sun's going down in the west and it casts beautiful golden light onto Graceland at that time of day. The Jerry and Linda tours were at ten o'clock at night is when they started. So you're in the right. mansion, kind of when the mansion would have been waking up uh, if yeah. Elvis if Elvis were here. So to be in there after midnight, and it always ends. Everyone goes to Meditation Garden, and it just it's just a nice. Yeah, and you really feel how it's a home when there's just that few people in 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 the mansion. Well, there's a lot of cool things about uh, having you as one of my best friends. And if anybody hadn't seen it, please go look up the Gates of Graceland. Uh, YouTube series, which you were part of. And I love the perspective you'd always give where you would go in a room and turn around and point the camera where we would normally be Yeah, looking yeah. at the room. And I remember the billiards room. I was sitting there going, I wonder what's in one of those drawers. And sure enough, you open it, there's chalk. <laughs> yeah. I thought that's exactly what I would have done. Do you have a favorite room when you go in and just go, well, I just love this right here. Um, I love the TV room downstairs the the room with the three televisions because uh that's what i would have had you know had i been elvis back in the day like that what i love about it is there are three televisions in the tv room and on those televisions uh, is a loop of video and on screen number one is outlaw josie wales screen number two is johnny carson's tonight show screen number three is dr strangelove with peter sellers and all three of those tape loops or video loops or whatever system they're using are direct dubs from Elvis's video collection. So Angie transferred, Angie Marchese, head of archives, transferred these those, those images from Elvis's VHS tapes that he had back in the 70s. So you're watching what you're literally watching what Elvis watched. And I love that, you know, the one on the in the middle is Johnny Carson, because, you know, that's why I do this. And so to see and and that was one of the things that came up a lot too that uh, they would be having uh, breakfast, you know, at ten o'clock at night, and at ten thirty, uh, Elvis would have the TV turned on, and they didn't go anywhere, and he till he heard Johnny Carson's monologue, and then the, and then the night started uh, right about ten forty five. Angie has just done an unbelievable job there. I love the new exhibit. Um, I've been through that exhibit. I can't tell you how many times, and yet every time they make a change. 
she does such a fantastic job of telling the story we've heard a million times in a brand new way. So you feel like you're seeing it for the first time. They had the tablecloth there that uh, Colonel Parker did the contract on that you see is referenced in the movie. And I love how Linda posted two pictures on her Facebook page. One holding, I guess it's a, I don't know what you call it. A rolling bread pen. roller. Rolling, rolling pin, pin, yeah. yeah. Uh, you can tell I'm a chef. Uh, and she was holding it up exactly like a picture of her back in the 70s. Yeah. And then when she sat on that same chair in the jungle room, yeah. which she, I loved in your interview with her in conversation, she goes, we called it the den, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that same picture I thought was really, gave you perspective. But uh, yeah, that's definitely a tour I would love to take. And, and congratulations, Angie. Uh, for doing such an amazing job and and uh, continuing to give us the thing over and over like it's brand new. Yeah, the exhibits, I mean, even five years after having a huge exhibit for the 68 50th, to have a 55th anniversary edition of that, but to do it in a way that almost recreates sets from, yes. f- from the 68 special. And uh, one of the gentlemen that I talked to during conversations had some great insight. He was the art director, uh, which we'll talk about when we kind of get to that. But just to be able to see all those things. And on Sunday night of the week, I spent three or four hours in the jumpsuit display. I was doing an archival interview with Jay Osmond from um, the Osmond brothers that, that, that was a guest during Elvis week. And we were doing this for Graceland's archives, getting the Osmond and Elvis story on tape for them to be able to use later. But I also sat down with Linda um, and probably did about a 30-minute interview with Linda, which Andy Childs utilized portions of that interview during the Aloha concert. Mm. So when Linda appeared, if you went to the Aloha concert and you saw Linda appear during the concert, that's stuff that I had shot on Sunday night uh, because she was scheduled to go home on that day and she she has a new grandbaby and she wanted to see her grandbaby so she couldn't stay for aloha so andy said well you're going to be there by video then and so she came over but that night i was able to spend about three hours in that museum uh with the jumpsuits and that whole and i i mean to be able to walk around with no one in there and just take your time and see everything and read every placard and look at every item uh it's just it's a wonderful opportunity and and even when it's open to the public, it's just such a well laid out museum. And I still, you still are stunned at that jumpsuit display every time you walk in. And then also the, uh, um, uh, I joined, just happened to run into Dean Z and, and, and Cody Dayonath when we were all kind of walking into the Elvis movie, uh, display. So we kind of all went through there together and looked at different items, you know, costumes and drawings from the movie. Uh, which showed the amazing amount of detail that Baz Luhrmann brought to the film for things that might not have even shown up on camera, but he mm. wanted to, he wanted to get it right. So there's so much to see. Like I say now, you, you have to add a day to your Graceland experience now because there's just so much to see. You can spend half a day in the mansion and another day, uh, full day in all the museums together because there's so much that's been thought through and on display the suit display was just overwhelming the way they they set it up i was kind of concerned because i loved how they had it where you could walk right up next to the suits but the way she displayed it this time you see them so vividly and seeing them next to each other and the explanation of what each suit was called and what it was was just really great we also had another uh, couple special guests for the after parties uh jesse kramer who's a a great musician and rocker 
And the guy that, that I met and we all got to know, super guy, incredible musician. I've downloaded a bunch of his music. Very charismatic. He was a judge. Spencer Sutherland. Yeah. And uh, what a great guy and a great talent. And I'm now a huge fan. We're, we definitely want to have him on the podcast. He's a big fan of ours, which makes him very smart. Yes. I, I listen to a lot of his music. And, and I mean, it's such happy, fun music the videos and everything it's like earth went in fire in yeah. 70s and rocket it's yeah. it, it's like the 70s met a, a a folk rocker i don't know how to describe it but trust me download his music he is uh fantastic and and, and of course pat dunn was a host as well as dean z uh, dwight eisenhower hosted some it was just a a fun mix of guys and it kind of felt like the old days when i first started and Everybody was getting along, having a great time, and and it was just a fantastic week. The New Generation show featuring a lot of the new acts that are so talented. The Elvis world's never going away. They just get younger and better. And, Tom, I want to talk about your conversations as well, and then we'll get to the ultimate because we might have a special guest here. But you asked a question during conversations, and this is packed. I don't know how many people fit in the uh, soundstage area there. But it was packed. And you said, how many are here for your first ever Elvis event? And it was over half the room. Yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting time to be in the Elvis world. It's always exciting to be an Elvis fan. But, uh, of course, you had some great guests in conversations. You you maneuvered through that as only Tom Brown can. Uh, I told you that personally that the, the Osmond interview was so cool. I had no idea about uh, talk a little bit about what what uh, he had to say about the relationship with Elvis and the Osmond brothers. That was so cool about the jumpsuits and everything. Well, when I had interviewed him on Sunday night, and Conversations was on um, Tuesday, maybe? Yeah, I think maybe Tuesday. I, it's, it's a blur, Jeff. I had brought uh, a couple of albums from my collection. Uh, I, I had brought an Osmond's album where they were all wearing, like, uh, just normal clothes, you know, normal 60s clothes. It's from It was an album from 1970. They're wearing, like, black pants and colored shirts with collars and regular, you know, like, pilgrim shoes, you know, with buckles and stuff. And they just look like clean-cut young American kids. And then their very next album, they're wearing, like, jumpsuits with fringe, and they're all jumping the whole cover of the thing. They're jumping around. They're all over the stage. They're just – it's just this blur. Now, I had assumed in 1971 that they had stolen Elvis's look. And I had assumed that all these years, thinking bad things about the Osmonds, but still loving their music. One Bad Apple, Don't Spoil the Whole Bunch Girl. I love that song. Down by the Lazy River, I play it every day. I love the Osmonds. But I always had this thing inside that they stole that from hell. Why did they do that? It's so obvious, those jumpsuits. (laughs) Jeff, what I discovered was they were playing the Hilton. Elvis saw them and loved them, had seen them on the Andy Williams show in the 60s, had seen them on television, and came backstage to see them. Nancy Sinatra introduced them to Elvis. Nancy, of course, Speedway co-star. Elvis had watched from the light booth, the show, and he came backstage, and he introduced himself to the Osmonds, and he said, brothers, I love you guys, but you need to butch it up just a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> because they were on, they were tap dancing, they were having fun. It was, it was a great, it was a family show. But he goes, guys, you got to get tough. You got to be a little rougher around the edges. It's tough to butch it up when you're tap dancing. Yeah, you know, it's hard. To, it's kind of like riding in the back of a pickup. There's just no way to do it and look cool, you know? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> my dad told me that years ago. There ain't no way to ride in the back of a pickup and look cool. Um, and so he said, I'm going to send my costume designer to meet with you. You guys need jumpsuits because you're jumping all over the place and you got to lose the tap shoes. <laughs> so it was Elvis's influence. The, and he, oh, he also got them um, karate lessons. Now he said, I want you to learn karate because it'll give your stage movements, it'll flow better for stage movements. And he, Ed Parker was uh, working with Elvis at the time, but he couldn't do it because he was touring with Elvis. Uh, Kang Ree, Elvis's uh, instructor in Memphis, was in Memphis and the Osmonds lived in Utah and were in Nevada for Vegas. So he turned them on to a young up and coming karate instructor. Elvis said, I've been to this guy a few times. He's up and coming. You don't know him, but I think he's going to be big one day. And his name is Chuck Norris. Wow. And so that was their karate instructor in like the early 1970s. And he told about how Elvis had influenced their stage movements and kind of how they looked at music and the amazing relationship that Elvis had and love Elvis had with Mother Osmond. He, because she was a theologian, she knew a lot about the Bible, and she was a, 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 a an expert in, in in the stories of the Bible. And he would call her at all times and talk to her for hours about the Bible, about theology. And he said, so there was this great connection between the Osmond family and Elvis, who. Jay said as he got older, he realized there was something about the Osmonds. Elvis loved the sound of the Osmonds. He loved the blend of their voices together. And he loved the fact that it was all brothers because Elvis was born an only child mm. with a twin who died at birth. And he didn't know that relationship that brothers could have. He said, but it was he was very much an older brother uh, to the Osmonds. And they stayed in touch for years uh, because of his love of, of the Osmonds. So cool. And, and you interviewed... Uh, several people that had uh, a big role in the 68 special. Yeah, uh, Mike Deasy, who was a member of the Wrecking Crew uh, recording. I mean, look this guy up. Mike Deasy played pretty much on every pop song, rock song from the 60s that was that were recorded in Los Angeles as a member of the Wrecking Crew with you know James Burton and Glenn Campbell, <laughs> guitar players with him. Uh, a lot of Monkeys hits, a lot of Neil Diamond, a lot of Sonny and Cher. And he was also a musician on all the music parts of the 68 special. And he said they just sat back um, in amazement at what Elvis could do and how incredibly nice he was and how, while it wasn't as apparent then, but it became apparent obviously in later years, how really important the 68 special was in Elvis resetting his career. Movies were not as successful this this special was kind of a make or break for Elvis to reestablish himself. And the story, you know, the, the well-known story, especially for fans of the Austin Butler movie, of Elvis making a stand against the colonel and saying, this is the kind of special I want to do with Steve Bender and getting away from the, what was at the time kind of a normal way to do a variety show. A Christmas special is all Christmas songs. And at the end you say, Merry Christmas, everybody. And that's the end of the show. And it, it, it was interesting in hearing him talk about Elvis as a musician. It was interesting. Gene McAvoy was there, who was the art director. If you've got the album to the 68 special, his name is on the back cover as art director. So he was there talking about working with Steve Bender, who was the producer. They had worked together on other projects. Uh, Billy Goldenberg, who was the music director, who was there five years ago for the 50th anniversary. He and Gene were best friends. And Gene talking about how the look of the 68 special came about. If you go back and look at specials from the late 60s, they all kind of have that pop look with lots of colors and things going on. He said, but he really wanted Elvis 
to be front and center on television. And so he kept the colors. It was all, he said, black and red. Everything was mm. dark for the set. So Elvis would pop on the camera. And he talked about building the boxes for the guitar players that we see in the open and the logistical problems they had of building those boxes. And then the choreographer training uh, 60 something or 80 something uh, dancers. And Gene said at one point he walked by and he saw all the dancers rehearsing and he said, what, what are you, what are you doing? And the guy said, the choreographer said, we're, we're, you know, we're all dancing in synchronization. And Gene said, you can't do that in those boxes. If you do that in those boxes, you'll bring them down because the rhythmatic, <laughs> you know, 80 people going in rhythm. He said that it can't stand that, you know, when, when soldiers are marching, when they come to a bridge, they get out of step because there's their step, the steps of 80 people can cause damage with that rhythmic marching. So the choreographer very quickly said that he started numbering. He said he just went down the line, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. If you were a one, you turned to the left on the downbeat. If you were a two, you 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 looked up. I mean, so if you if you look at the boxes, there's always people moving in different directions next to each other, because if not, it would have, you know, it was structurally would have brought it down. He talked about how Elvis was one of the very few people he ever met. In fact, maybe the only one he ever met that could stand in front of his own name in sky high letters and it wouldn't look like an ego trip. That that Elvis signage at the very end of the show is something that he said only Elvis could have pulled it off. And what I found out I didn't know, those letters were attached to the boxes from the beginning of the show. No, oh, wow. So they, they they just weren't lit. So in there where you see when the camera pulls back from the Elvis letters and you see Elvis alone like playing his guitar, he's just standing in one of the guitar player boxes. It wasn't a process shot. It was literally a shot on a crane with those giant ELVIS attached to the guitar boxes. I mean, just little tidbits like that that are just fascinating mm -hmm. stories. And uh, we had Gene McAvoy. We also had Glenn D. We talked about Glenn D. Harden, Elvis's piano player. We talked about Aloha from Hawaii. Graceland, again, found somebody that a lot of fans had never heard of that had a fantastic story. Janice Fadal, whose father, Eddie Fadal, was a DJ in Dallas and a theater owner that Elvis became friends with in the 50s when they would tour through Dallas. And when Elvis got in the Army at Fort Chaffee in Arkansas, he would go spend time with the family. Um, and they have uh, a home in Waco that Elvis visited many times. And she has an Airbnb at this home in Waco. And she's eagerly awaiting everyone's arrival for the uh, Elvis Festival that's going to be in Waco uh, in, in a few months. And she's waiting to, to, to welcome Elvis fans to Waco. It's going to be a fun time. So that was Janice. Uh, we had Ernst uh, Jorgensen from Sony who talked about the remix of, of Aloha from Hawaii. We had Alan Bly, who was a writer on the 68 Comeback Special, shared stories about that. We had Jay Osmond telling his stories. And then, Jeff. Oh, man, this is so great. Then I became 12 <laughs> years old, quickly recovered. Mm-hmm. And basically introduced one of my heroes from childhood, who turned out to be everything I ever wanted, Lee Majors, Steve Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. I stayed in Memphis just so I could see Lee Majors. He was, I had the doll, 
I was, you know, she's breaking up. She's breaking up. We remember that. Oh yeah. He he's the only man that fought and defeated Andre the Giant, which of course would be Bigfoot in the show. That's right. Uh, not counting the fixed match with Hulk Hogan, which Andre still got ripped <laughs> off on. But I digress. But no, it, it was. And Tom, I can tell you, as a guy in the audience, <clears throat> when he walked out, it was just, well, there's a movie star. Yeah. There's yeah. A, a Hollywood star. He was as cool. What is he, 84? 84. Yep. And I, I, I was like, there. he's actually a real human being. And the way you handled that interview um, was genius. And why don't, you, why don't you tell them what they did? I was sitting there laughing, and I was watching, and I thought only Tom would know how to handle this. You handled it perfect. Uh, when I had talked to him on the phone uh, previous, he wanted... Uh, I got a, uh, Alicia Dean from EPE is my liaison on all the conversations and all the events that I host. And she said, Lee Majors uh, said he wanted to talk to Tom. And I said, did he say those words? Did he say, <laughs> physically say, I want to talk to Tom? And he referred to me by name. And she said, yes. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, then that's just the coolest thing ever. She said, well, you're about to, you know, you're about to have an accident on yourself because I have to give you his phone number now. And I wow. freaked out again. And Jeff, I got to tell you, it reminded me of when I was a kid trying to get up the courage to call a girl for a date. Yeah. You know, you kind of walked around a little bit and you walked in the living room and said, hey, uh, mom, dad, I'm going to be on the phone a little bit. So uh, don't get on the phone because I've got to <laughs> call somebody. And then you sat there for 20 minutes trying to get enough courage to call, you know, and that's kind of what it was like calling Lee Majors. And when he answered, I was like, well, that's obviously Lee Majors. He sounds just like himself. And he was mm. fantastic. And he said, Tom, you know, I've done this a long time. And usually what I do is, uh, you know, somebody asks me a question and I just answer the question I think they should have asked. Uh, he mm. said, but, but I've been working on my autobiography and I just written a bunch of sections about Elvis. He said, you know what, instead of you peppering me with questions and, and maybe not getting one of these stories, do you think the audience would be OK? Again, would, you, would the audience be OK with not being asked questions, but is yeah. basically doing a reading from his auto and I said Lee that would that would be fantastic not realizing that I had called him Lee without asking yeah right. but he, you know he didn't blink so that was cool and and that's kind of what he did I mean he walked out he had his folder with him but he Jeff you're exactly right he came out and here's the thing I walked on stage at 10 a.m. Lee wasn't backstage then uh the first couple of guests were backstage I walked off stage at 128 oh. to be exact, because I have a clock on stage. Uh, 128. I'd been on stage three hours and 28 minutes. Oh. When I got off stage, Lee was not there. So I never saw him off stage. You saw the extent of my interaction with Lee. And what I heard made it very, very sad that I was still on stage. He was, they said he was backstage. He was taking pictures with people. He was signing autographs. He was doing all this oh. stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, I want to, I even brought a picture. I wanted him to sign. Oh, man, I'm not going to, not going to get his autograph. He was fantastic. That afternoon, that afternoon, I get a text. Hey, Tom, just want to say thank you for being so kind and making it easy for me. Send thanks to the entire crew and everyone who worked on this project. They were kind and totally professional Stay in touch, my friend, and God bless you, Lee. That's so great. And I texted him back, and in a very subtle, I thought, way, he's going to be sending me an autograph picture. That's so cool. So, there you go. Well, he walked out, and you said, and again, knowing you the way I do, it was so, I knew what you were thinking. I'm talking to Lee Majors, 
And he, you said, so how did you meet Elvis? And he goes, that's the way it's going to be, huh? And you were <laughs> laughing, and, and he was having a great time. But when he turned and left, he hugged your neck. He turned and started walking off stage. And right before he got off the stage, he looked at the audience and started doing it in slow motion. Yes. Yes. So when Lee leaves in slow motion, mm-hmm. um, all I can think about is for the previous 20 minutes, uh, I have a monitor on stage, a, a video monitor, so I can see what what's on the big screens up there. And I would look down every now and then out of the corner of my eye, and I would see the two shot of me on the left and Lee Majors on the right. And all I could think about was, I'm on TV with Lee Majors. <laughs> I mean, you know. And listen, if you weren't around in the 70s, you have no idea what this man meant to us. And then in the yeah. 80s in Fall Guy. I mean, and in the 60s in Big Valley. The guy Big had Valley, three hit yeah. series. He had three hit series in three different decades. Unbelievable. Yeah. And he met Elvis in the 60s when Elvis was doing the movie Clambake. And he talked about, as a joke, doing a cameo behind Elvis that Elvis didn't know about. And, we, and, and, and the only time I interrupted him, the whole time, he was telling the story about the cameo. I said, and all I do is I, I touched him. I go, Lee, Lee, we, and he looked at me like, yeah. I go, <laughs> we, we have that clip if you want to see it. And he was like, yeah, I want to see it. Run it, run it. So, you know, I didn't want to interrupt, but I was like, yeah. I had that clip. And it's the coolest funniest i urge you to google lee majors cameo clambake it's the funniest bit of film you will ever see it's great it's great and it's even better knowing that elvis didn't know what was going on behind him and all i could think about when lee ran off in slow motion was last year i think it was last year we had barbara eden and barbara eden came on stage and went off stage doing the genie blink right and i'm standing there and she does the genie blink and then standing on the stage with Lee, and he runs off in slow motion like the $6 million man. I said, the only one I missed was being on stage with Adam West, like changing into Batman and and sliding down a bat pole, because (laughs) those were like three of my icons from childhood that I've been Mm. on stage with two of them doing their bit, you know, doing their thing. And for Lee to do that, that was just unbelievable. It was so cool. And then, thank goodness, um, when we were putting conversations together, uh, Linda Thompson was going to be a guest. And I said, I want Linda last because I knew by that time I would have been on stage for, you know, close to three hours and I needed a good talker, you know, somebody that I don't have to dig. I don't have, you know, I'm three hours into this. I want to close with a biggie. that's going to help me help them. And Linda is just one of the best at, at being on stage and telling stories. And here's the thing I found out, Jeff, she's only been back to Graceland one or two times. So the emotion of being in the mansion with her on those private tours was still incredibly new to her. She She's not used to coming back to Graceland with, not, without Elvis being there. Mm-hmm. We've, you know, some fans, we've toured Graceland hundreds and hundreds of times. But imagine for her being back for maybe only the second or third time since she walked out those doors at the funeral. It's all still so new to her those memories and she hasn't overshared them. Yes. She she's not a storyteller that is okay, I'm telling story number 37 here. Let me just go ahead and and tell you that story. Everything meant something to her and very emotional time, but I'm so glad that conversations ended with her because it was just such a a wonderful story of her and Elvis and just how much she was loved not only by all the guys with Elvis, but by Vernon Presley, by the whole family and her relationship 
that she talked about um, during the memorial with uh, on, with Lisa Marie. Uh, just an amazing conversation. I'm so glad you stayed for it. Um, I, from what I heard with everybody, it didn't feel like three hours and 28 minutes. No, it sure didn't. Uh, and a couple of the highlights uh, with Linda, of course, was she described in detail, and I'm not comfortable enough in my manhood to repeat it, what it was like to kiss Elvis, but I'm sure all the ladies love that. Mm-hmm. That's something with putting marshmallows together, I believe. I believe so, yes. And, yes. and that he smelled like, he always smelled clean, like Neutrogena. She said he also used high karate. Yeah. Uh, aftershave. So. <laughs> there you go. I urge you to Google those commercials and see if they'd be making those commercials these days. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's a very powerful picture of her and Jerry at Med, uh, Schilling at Meditation Gardens. And boy, it really puts in perspective. Elvis Presley was a real person that had family yeah. and friends. And they lost a family member and a friend. We we just lost an icon. Uh, and it was it's a very powerful picture, I thought. It, it was. And, and it was wonderful for Jerry because Jerry hadn't seen Linda recently. And for them to have time together and doing those tours with both of them, uh, it's still new to Jerry. It still hurts Jerry um, th- to come back in there because he lived there. He had that apartment, mm. you know, that little room downstairs off the TV room. It, it, it was just a, a, a nice Elvis week. And in what we call an off year, it wasn't a 40th or a 45th. Uh, it, it was an off year numerologically speaking. Yeah. That, that's, that's the way to say that, right? Yeah. Except mm-hmm. quicker and with more confidence. Uh, but this number was not an iconic number, but it was just a fantastic Graceland. EPE continues to put together these events for the ETA fans, for the Elvis fans, for hopefully fans of both to be able to come and spend that kind of time together. And and if I heard the word family once, Jeff, I heard family a thousand times that the performers, the fans, that we are all family. And Jerry reminded me, Elvis loved to introduce people to each other. He loved mm. to introduce the plumber to the doctor. And Elvis fans come together and no matter, even Toki, the performer who is Japanese, we all communicate through Elvis and the music. And that guy from Tupelo still brings people together. And it's absolutely amazing. It is. And and we'll get to something Toki said that was hilarious in the uh, ultimate, because we do have a, a special guest that we'd like to interview after this break. Well, I was trying to run out the clock, so we ran out of time and didn't get to him. Yeah, but, uh, yeah well, he's you know we, he's here, so I guess we have to. No, I'm, I, he's he's a he's a good friend of mine, and I I feel like um, the road to victory started at SummerSlam. I really do feel that road to victory started there, and if that's not a tease, I don't know what is, Jeff. <laughs> that's right. Well, Tom, let's take a break and we'll come back with our very special guest. And it's his first interview since winning the Ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist Championship. Right after this. My name is Cody Downat, and I am the 2023 Ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist Champion. And you're listening to Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talking. All right, Jeffrey, enough with the tease. Ladies and gentlemen, we present to you the 2023 Ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist Champion, our friend and yours, Cody Danaf. Congratulations, Cody. Cody. What is up, guys? We'll dub in thunderous applause there, so you'll you'll hear thunderous dub, dub applause. Dub it in. 
Uh, and some of you, we, you've heard us talk about ETA festivals and all these festivals we put on. This is the man that owns the company, and we are his humble employees and now servants. That's what happens to you in the ultimate. You go from an employee to a servant. That's one of the rules in the bylaws. Uh, I, I tell you, Tom, I, I, for those of you that aren't friends with me on Facebook and didn't read it, I kind of want to give a little, little intro to this young man. Uh, I met him, I think, Cody, what was it, 2015 when you came with Carolyn? It's 2015, yeah. 2015, I have a festival in Helen, Georgia, uh, Jeff Lewis and Friends, and Carolyn, who was an angel, uh, sadly is not with us any longer, Carolyn Nichols. And she told me about this young man that was dating her granddaughter, and he was a young ETA. And if I minded, if he came and hung out, and I was like, oh, God, oh, sure, Carolyn. You never turned down, Carolyn, but I was just rolling my eyes, thinking, oh, great. And I met him then, and he was a very young man at the time. And then over time, he goes on and he starts winning some contests. And I tell a story about he was in one contest. He clearly should have won. And I remember one of the parties that that was putting on the contest said something about to the effect of, oh, he's so great, but he's just short. And I said, wait a minute, there's a height requirement And he's as tall as a guy that had just won the ultimate. I said, you took his money. So you just told me that you had no intention of letting him win before the contest. That kind of became a defendant of the young man. Then he goes on to win, which is something to me as special as the ultimate. And that's the Tupelo Elvis championship. And he was really competitive. And one day I told him, I said, Cody, you won Tupelo. Who cares? You're winning these contests. You've got some festivals. You're never going to win the ultimate. You don't look like Elvis. And then he started, then he went to work and he started working with other ETAs with his makeup and his look and his, his voice has always been amazing. And one day I looked at him, I said, dad gone, you might, you could win the ultimate. And we're going to get into details about how close he came. And so I've never been prouder or happier to be wrong in my life. Uh, than for Cody to to win this. Uh, Cody, what do you, I want you to say, before you say anything else, I want you to say, my name's Cody Dalnath, and I'm the ultimate Elvis Tribute Champion of 2023. You have to say it. My name is Cody Dalnath, and I am the ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist Champion of 2023. He's bragging already. No, I remember when, <laughs> uh, Cody, we are so proud of you. I don't think there's ever been somebody win. I know I always talk about everybody who's happy when Dwight Eisenhower won and and Dean Z, and and, and I, I don't think there would have been a riot had you not won this year. I don't think everybody, I've never seen that many people so happy a guy won the ultimate. So just what's going on in your head right now, man? I uh, I don't really know. Um, and I know I know that's so that's so standard, right? That's such a, that's such a standard answer for for all the guys that that win. And and I I truly understand what every single one of them go through because I mean it's a culture shock. And I I never thought that we would get to this point in in this journey right like i was i i I recently performed my first uh string of shows this past weekend and they announced me as the ultimate elvis tribute artist champion and i every time that someone says it every time that i type it out every time that i think about it my stomach does like loop-de-loops and 
and it's just like it's fear it's like happiness it's you know pressure it, it's just everything right and it must be relief as well too in that and, and it's an odd sense of calmness mm-hmm. you never have to compete again ever that's the weird thing and like i looked at ben right after after we um after ben thompson we, ben thompson yes ben thompson um after everything kind of not dumbed down but just kind of we had like a bit of a moment backstage and i was standing next to him and i go did you feel like kind of a love-hate relationship right when you won he goes absolutely he goes it it was panic he goes because every time that you get knocked off the horse you gotta brush yourself back off and get back on right and and that's what we are accustomed to when we're chasing this not to be cheesy, but the impossible dream, right? In our industry, that's yeah. what we do. And every year, it's like you get close to that brass ring. You climb the ladder, or using a wrestling analogy, you climb the ladder and you're going and you're going and you're going right as you're about to grasp the championship. Someone comes and knocks you off with a steel chair, right? And then you lose it. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, well, we got to get back up and we got to go earn our, we got to earn our, uh, our number one contender shot and we got to go again, right? And that's and it's the chase and it's the chase. Yes. So when you're at the ladder, when they were announcing the people, and they announced Moses, and in my mind I, I was like, okay, we're not third. I was like, please don't say second, just please don't. And then they said Jimmy, second, and I go, please Jimmy don't Holmes. say, please don't say first, please don't say first. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> I'm not ready for this. This isn't happening. This isn't happening. And of course, if you watch the video, I'm already crying like a blubbering baby um and i think <laughs> I, I i don't think i've ever watching it back everything was such a a rush right when they and and dean thank thank the lord dean z did not wait um hardly at all when he followed it up with the first place and i just i remember just my body giving out i i, I truly do it was I, I the only thing i can compare it to is winning tupelo and like tupelo I was all over the place. I hugged Tom. I was hugging the guys. I was all over. I was all over the stage. I was the only Tupelo champion to not take the check and the guitar on stage. So when I hit the floor and I banged my my hands on the stage as hard as I can because I was trying to wake myself up. I was like, "There's just wake up. You're fine. Like you're in you're in your bed at the guest house. It's all good. You got to wake up and you got to go compete in the finals." That's what I was thinking. And the next thought in my brain was please for the love of god get up and grab the check in the belt grab <laughs> the check in the belt and so i did that and it's just it it feels like i'm i'm you know like how doctor strange pushes you out of your body in in the in the avengers movies and stuff like that and it just feels like you're just like floating and 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 whatnot that's how i feel i feel like i'm just like i see my body but i'm like i'm not really we're not really here right now well, I want to brag on Tom Brown. Tom's the best interviewer in our business. And I am going to shut up and give him the saddle, but I am, I think I'm happier than you, Cody, for you winning. Like I said, I love you. You're my, I, 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 I joked about, I don't know if you're my son or my brother, you know, I think so much of it. We've done, gone through so much together, but you know, Tom was a judge with Joe Mascheo and Joe Gershio. Joe Gershio. Yeah. Well, those are some judges. I mean, you talk about some judges. Cody, you had some judges. Linda Thompson, 
uh, Spence Sutherland and and uh, who are the other two, Tom? They're, they're uh, so there was John Jackson, uh, one of the judges, uh, along with Linda. John Jackson is a musician and a, a music producer. He's an Elvis aficionado. He's uh, basically created his own college major uh, in Elvis music, and uh, is an amazing storehouse of information. And then there was a guy named Richard Ross, who was basically the head of Universal. Uh, pictures and records and of from Universal in Los Angeles who's very knowledgeable. What I love about all the judges is every year it seems they pick people and this is kind of what we try to do in Nashville when we pick judges that there's an Elvis expert, you know, they're all fans, so they're all fans. But then Spencer's looking at it as a performer. Linda's looking at it as I know Elvis, I know how his I know how he moved on stage. I saw him hundreds of times. John is looking at it as a musician. So there's all these different ways. Richard's looking at it from the standpoint of an executive and the interaction with the audience and the charisma and all that. So everybody brings their strengths. And to get together that many judges and and to to dominate, I, I think, like you did, Code. I mean, once you've won over the crowd, it's, you know, first of all, could you feel the audience reacting to you? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was. There's not a word. I, I don't think that, that you can use to describe it. It was incredible. Um, it, it, I, I use this word so much, but it was humbling. I mean, there's just really no there's no other way to describe it, honestly. And to to have that many people to put your mind at ease, to know that you, you're, you're in good hands, like the Elvis fans are with you. They want this. We're walking together. There's no need to be afraid. There's no need to overthink things. You're you're going out on stage, and you're going to perform to a to a room full of people that love you, and that yeah. are with you a hundred percent, and have been with you since since I was eighteen, and I started yeah. competing for the ultimate. It was so so amazing, and also so incredibly hard not to allow myself to step out of the wall because there is a wall when you go up there because you want to stay cool, calm and collected. You have to, right. You know, and, and Mm -hmm. it's a lot to give them enough acknowledgement to let them know that you're, you, you love them. You see it, you hear it, you're with them, but also you're going out there to do your best tribute as authentic as you can to the man, the mantra, the legend. And yeah, that's something that I think is so incredibly amazing that 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 exchange. There's nothing. There was like an adrenaline shot straight to the heart, man. I mean, like, yeah. Well, they were they were with you. You could feel them, and you're also winning over fans of other guys because the audience <laughs> is populated with your with your fans, and each of what I call the armies of each performer. The, you know, the armies, the fans, the fandom, and the families of the other guys. And you're one by one winning them over and and turning the entire audience into your fan. And that's even harder to do. But I think there's not a performer that competed that wouldn't go, yeah, tonight on this stage for this performance, Co- there was no way to beat Cody. There was no way to do it. He came to do it. And interestingly enough, Coat, I didn't see you throughout the, the last time I saw you. We were teasing this a little earlier. You started your trip off with SummerSlam. Yes, sir. 
Absolutely. WWE SummerSlam at the 408. At the 408. My downstairs bar and lounge. Absolutely. And we pay-per-viewed SummerSlam together. Ate some pizza. Watched, uh, yeah. watched, watched Cody Rhodes. Watched a Dusty Rhodes' son, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Roman Reigns, so many, so many good <laughs> things, man. I loved it, and it, what I loved about but that, that was like your last. That was like your last calm night before you yeah, went into the fire. Literally, yeah, literally, you know? yeah, exactly. And man, I, I think about it, and I, I remember, <laughs> I remember you the way that you reacted to it, and it made it so much more enjoyable for me because you're like, oh my god, I had no idea, I had no idea, and we were, <laughs> we were, yeah. we were. Uh, me and Dean call it. It's it, there's a term called marking out. Like you buy into it, you forget that you because you know everybody knows that it's scripted, but they're athletes. It's there. There is there is a sense of uh, um, of skill to it, uh, an immense sense of skill. But there were so many times that we were going, oh, oh, oh my god, oh god, oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh, you know? Did they do that? Did they, I'm a they classic wrestling guy, and, and yeah, and and it's like, uh, where have I been the last 15, 20 Literally, years? Literally, and you were uh, like, <laughs> you know, talk. I, I do two impressions. I only got two impressions. One of them is Gene Hackman's laugh. <laughs> that one, and the other one is is Dusty Rhodes, who I saw, who Cody Rhodes is dad. When I was growing up, you know, I was like you, Tom. I, I, my dad used to take me. I saw Andre the Giant. Uh, I saw Hacksaw Duggan's first match ever. I saw the Von Erichs. I saw Fritz Von Erich, Dave Von Erich's first match ever. But Dusty Rhodes, talk, who's the only man that can leap tall buildings and single bound? Who's the only man that can outrun a locomotive? It's Superman. He thought it was me. I had you fooled, didn't I? You know, he was just <laughs> the best. But, but you know, Tom, you didn't get to see it because you were backstage, but I've never seen a reaction of the entire room going up to the stage to thank Cody for winning and, and to, to, to show their appreciation. And there's four moments that, that I'll always remember. I got to see him right before, uh, got to see Cody right before he went on stage uh, the first night. He was backstage and the door was open and I caught his eye and I just said, I love you. It's emotional for me, uh, but he... Then he comes out and just kills it. And then when Jesse Aaron, who won Tupelo, uh, Jesse was so proud to be back on the stage, but he was also such a team player and so proud of Cody. He felt like, oh, Cody's got this. And he came out and he goes, he followed Cody, which was not something he wanted to do in this particular uh, weekend. And he just looked at the audience. He goes, I'm just so proud that I finally got Cody to open for me. I've been wanting that for years, which was hilarious. <laughs> I was so nervous when Dean started announcing third places. I thought, there's no way Cody's not going to win this. And then when they announced it, I just dropped my head, just started crying. And the whole crowd just went ballistic. But what was the first contest and year that you won to get into the Ultimate? Uh, it was the Tampa Bay Elvis Festival. And what year was that? That was 2016. I made my first. And ultimate. did you make it every year after that? I made. I've made it to the ultimate every year. Um, fortunately, what did you, what were the places you finished up until this one? I um, first year I won the Tampa Bay Elvis Festival and I finished in the top ten. Uh, that was the last year that they mm-hmm. had it at the Orpheum, so I got to experience that. That was amazing. Good. Um, then the uh, second year, I was fortunate enough to win Tupelo. Taught me a lot about myself that year. I got cut the first round, and I had to, you know, just 
get back to who I really was and know that you're not owed or guaranteed anything in life and you got to work for it. Uh, 2018, I won the Branson Elvis Festival, and that was the first year that I made it all the way to the promised land and actually placed third in the ultimate, and I am forever grateful for that. Uh, 2019, I was the first qualifier for the ultimate, winning the Tweed Elvis Festival, and I came back in 19 and went all the way to the promised land again, placed third again. <laughs> then I uh, there was no... Uh, ultimate in 2020 um and we actually got invited back in 2021 as a past top five finalist and i made it to the promised land yet again and i placed third again (laughs) and uh incredibly grateful for that um and then i went and qualified at the portage elvis festival and i was the first to qualify yet again for the ultimate Elvis contest. And then that year I went all the way and I moved up a spot in, uh, <laughs> and I got second. And, um, this year I, I, this past year I won the, uh, first chance contest. I was the first champion for that. And we obviously made it to the promised land yet again. And we punched the ticket and finished the story. And I, I had come up with the idea of doing the first chance years ago and presented it to Tom and Brian Mays about, approaching epe with it and they, they just weren't really ready for it at the time and luckily quick productions was able to implement it last year and you were the first ever first chance winner and uh you went on to, to win it so i think you do owe me half of your prize money <laughs> and cody i gotta tell you you've won all those contests i'm so proud of you and now with this ultimate win you've almost won as much as i did at potawatomi i'm very proud of you i just wanted to let you know that thank you Okay, who had the over-under uh, for this moment in the show before Potawatomi was mentioned? Uh, I believe I had one hour and six seconds, or six minutes and 13 seconds. So we're going to go back and run those numbers. Uh, we'll put a marker on that, and we'll uh, be uh, putting that out. Uh, and Tom, I wish everybody could see Cody right now, because you can literally, when he's talking about this, see every time he starts talking about himself, he just starts kind of laughing a little bit, because I can tell he's overwhelmed by it and humbled by it and and it's it's real and uh but again i i'm gonna back out and let tom ask you some questions i've talked too much already but i just want to tell you again brother i'm so proud of you i love you you've earned it not only as a competitor but what you're doing in this business as a producer as a performer you're representing elvis presley enterprises you're representing elvis presley and representing all of us in this business uh, in a way that is special, unique, and and we're all proud of you. I love you, Lou. Thank you, man. Love you, brother. So now it's my turn. Um, <laughs> isn't it true, Mr. Danith, that on the <laughs> evening of I feel like the prosecutor and the you know district attorney. <laughs> I did it. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> just go ahead and admit it. You know, like I was wearing the blue shirt. I threw the first of all. First of all, coat. I mean, I'm so proud of you. You had everybody backstage. I mean, we're just blown away. I'm still impressed by the push-ups that you were able to do moments before you went I on stage. I counted how many push-ups. Just that alone. Uh, Code had all this energy, and he just did jumping jacks and push-ups, all while wearing a jumpsuit and a belt. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away by that. And I just leaned over to Ben, who was there watching this with me, and I just thought, you know, if I went down like that, I would not be getting up. So God bless him for that. The energy of youth Enjoy it while you while you can. It's it's a wonderful thing. Uh, kudos to Dean Z, who has one of the great poker faces of all time. 
who was able to, because when you get that envelope, only the accountant knows who's won. And they hand the envelope to the host, and I've had this happen to me many times. You can screw that up pretty easy, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> but being able to, to say third place and second place and knowing that his pal, Coat, is, is sitting there, with, and he's just, just seconds away from saying, from saying a name that will cause an entire theater to erupt kudos to Dean for being able to do that. And like you said, I think it was for you, but I also think he got your name out as quick as possible because I don't think he could contain it anymore. No, I don't think yeah. so. He, so credit credit to him on that. He did a, such a phenomenal job hosting this year and and in last year. Um it's such a cool cool thing. I love that there I love that one of you is I mean Joey was is, is a fantastic host. Oh, I love but Joey. It's, it's also an interesting perspective to to have one of you uh, one of the an ETA himself who knows who knows what you're going through, uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the science of contests. You you approach this and you talk about you talk about winning. You know, like I was the first to qualify. Well, that's a blessing and a curse. You're the first to qualify, maybe only days after Elvis Week, and you've got a year now that you don't have to worry about contest. You're in, but you've also got a year to think about it correct, and to analyze it and to overthink it correct. and then back away and then overthink it again. You've got so much time, unlike a victor who wins on Monday night and is named champion on like Friday or Thursday, whatever it was, exactly. from last chance to the ultimate. What is your perspective on having qualified so many different ways to get into the ultimate? What is your perspective on having that amount of time and then also having a shorter amount of time? Um, man, there's so many different perspectives and, and, and I was able to experience it uh, both ways, right? Like my first couple of times qualifying, it was near the, the, in the summer. So we only had like two or three months before the ultimate. Um, and that ensues panic. I remember, and I'm not, and I, obviously there was panic because that when I, when I won at that point, like that was like my first couple of times. Um, but then from then on, I, I really, after Branson, I, I was the first one to qualify. So it was kind of like when I won Tweed the first time and I was the first uh, to qualify, I was like, oh, my God, I've got so much time. I can focus on some other stuff and stuff like that. So I, I truly think that um, – so Catch-22, they both have pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, You're trying to – if you win later in the year, uh, you're trying to do everything you can at that point to prep yourself, prep yourself mentally, physically – um, vocally, everything like that. And you got to cram that all into like three or four months. Right. Or if you're like, uh, Radney who won and Victor who got second, I, I don't know if many people remember that, but Vic never won the last chance. He got second. So Vic, Vic, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Vic got in with a very rare occasion. And that just proves that anybody can win, man. Anybody can do it. And, to think about what they're going through at that time, Radney and Vic, because they took double double competitors that year. They're like, oh my God, we've got less than and Cliff, less than 24 hours. They were they were talking to them, trying to get their their songs in. To be in that position, like kudos to to everybody who wins or who has won the last chance, because that's a totally different animal. Because you yeah. you almost have to like, okay, if I'm gonna do this, like you gotta do the mental prep work before, right? Um, but at the, at the beginning of it, you, you have like ample amount of time to get in your own head 
and get in your own way, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I think a blessing for me in this sense was working with y'all, working the circuit, working the festivals, keeping my brain occupied, but also knowing in the back of my mind, okay, we're, we're eight months. Okay, now we're seven months. Now we're six months. Mm-hmm. Now we're f- five months. And four months. Okay, four months is the mark. You got to start cutting Cody out. You got to start. You got to start doing things. You got to start listening to Elvis. You got to start getting yourself in shape, right? And um, so, I, I in my case, I loved winning beforehand rather than getting getting in a little bit later in the game because it allowed me to kind of have my year the first half of it and do whatever I need to do, be who I am, sing how I want to do. And then from then on, from the six month point on to kind of, um, tighten, tighten the ship up and start like, all right, you can't do what all the, everybody says you can't do the Cody runs. You can't do that. You got to cut Cody out. You got to start doing Elvis. You got to start studying him more and stuff like that. And the funny thing about this year is we all have been so busy that I was honestly the most worried that I've ever been going into an ultimate because I felt like I wasn't prepared. I felt like my mind was so many different places with the company and with what we're trying to build um, and what we are building. We're not trying to build anything. We're building what we've built as a family and as a unit that I just felt like I wasn't going to be able to give this contest my full attention and until i mean until i locked eyes with with the person who uh, was very kind enough to 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 get me into shape mentally so how did you do that how did how did you so, how did you focus how did you get in shape casey um i don't want to butcher her last name hutchinson okay just like i think it's pronounced hutchinson hutchinson I think we just learned something with Cody's last answer was when I won the last chance in 2013, I didn't not win the ultimate because of Dean Z. I didn't have time to get in shape. (laughs) If you'd won in 1989, you'd have been ready. Oh my God. I'd have killed. There's a, there's a great movie called 10 cup and, and Rene Russo plays a character that helps him get ready. And that's what, what Casey kind of reminded me of Hutchinson. And and go ahead, Cody. But th- this is a neat a neat twist to this. Was Cody chock full of inner demons? So, no, yeah, one hundred percent. No, yeah. Um, yeah. no. But like I said, you know, your mind's everywhere, and and it really takes a lot to hone it in. As all all of us know, you know, producing and being in a mindset to where you're focused on the business, and you're focused on, you know, making your deadlines and all that stuff, and what was very hard for me this year because we've done 10 we're going to be we're going to have 10 we've done 10 festivals and if you count nashville and helen that's that's 10 plus i mean it's it's in, it's insane man um <laughs> what we've done as a family and i don't use that word lightly as the mm-hmm. family as tupelo tom says mm-hmm. you know um and to get my my mind I, I just didn't think I was going to be able to do it. So I was going in there with just, I didn't have a strategy. I didn't have a strategy for this year. So um, Casey, uh, actually, we were talking backstage in Kentucky, actually. And um, she was like, you know, I'm, I'm with you all, all the way. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. And, and thank you so much. Like everybody, like you, you hear that and you're like, oh yeah, of course. Like, thank you guys. 
Like that's just a blanket statement. I didn't think anything of it. And as the weekend went on, you know, we started talking about different things and she has multiple doctorate degrees and she uh, was a vocal coach and, and she's just incredible with her knowledge when it, when it comes to music and, and, and vocals. Um, and the more we talked, the more I found out that she knew how to talk in a coach aspect of things. And it resonated with me. Like my, my singing teacher talked to me when she taught me how to sing professionally. And she was saying things and my, my ears would perk up. I was like, what did you just say to me? What, wait, how did you explain that? How do I do this note? How do I breathe this way? How do I listen to the inflections of Elvis's voice on this end? So I knew immediately, like, I was like, I got to work with you. If you're willing to, if you were serious about that, like, let's try this. And she, she said, okay, you know, and I'm going to say this. She goes, you're playing chess, not checkers. My music teacher said that to me when we were working on the other ultimate contest and stuff like that in coaching. And so we went from there and it's, and it's truly a mental game. I mean, truly, because if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe you can do it, then why are you here? That's the part that I was missing. I went up there all those other years and I know, and I watched myself, I was scared. I didn't believe it. I was looking at this. I was letting the bright lights get to my head. You have to go out there and you have to believe that you can do it because it resonates to the to the people. It resonates to the judges and shut everything else out. That's why I did what I did. I didn't. I, I didn't. The last time I saw anybody that I knew was SummerSlam, right? And <laughs> yeah, really. it literally. And I was I was in my room and I was you know listening to to the videos and listening to all the things and going through my my daily schedule and regimens and and I learned so much not just in this sense because it's not going to work if you just go oh I'm just going to do this for this contest and then I'm just going to go back to my old ways no you have to believe it you know yeah. and, and and one one of the biggest things for me that's taught me a lesson in in this crazy thing we call life is having a response versus a reaction. That's so deep. That's so deep. That's so true Mm -hmm. because so many people have reactions rather than responses. And it's like, how are you going to, okay, someone takes your song. Are you going to have a reaction, which is fueled by emotion? Are you going to sit there, gather yourself and pivot? Yeah. It's all about pivoting. It's all about doing this stuff. And like, Knowing your A plan, B, C, and D plan. And just knowing mm-hmm. that you are covered on all ends. And there's no stress yeah. when you go into this. I was going to say, because that mental gymnastics that you go through, a lot of what goes on off stage that the audience might not know is basically the science and the strategy Absolutely. of song selection. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, we we did everything from songs to outfits. And we, I mean, we had we had a plan, like I said, a plan A, B, C, and D. And it's not just like, well, I think that I should sing this song because Elvis did it and it was good. No. What is the reason? What's your why? That was Mm -hmm. the next thing that we worked on. Why? Why are you singing this? Why am I singing Let It Be Me? It's a plea. It's a plea for love. It's a plea for for acceptance. You know, Elvis said, "Each each time we meet love, I find complete love. Don't take this heaven from one. 
if you must cling to someone, let it be me. Let it be. Jerry said it in the last podcast that you did. And this is, this is crazy because you talk about the universe and you talk about it giving things back to you. Me and Casey did our, did our lesson planning for that day. And I listened to the podcast right when it dropped. And Jerry was talking about storytelling. And Casey literally just talked about storytelling. You're, a, you're telling a story. Make the crowd know that you're telling a story. Elvis, to, Elvis was the greatest storyteller in the world. What did Jerry say on the podcast? You know what I learned today? Elvis mm-hmm. was the greatest storyteller that's ever walked this earth. And every, every lyric that he had that came out of his mouth meant something. And it was just like this out-of-body experience. I was like, oh, my God, yeah. this, is, this is insane Ooh. because there's no, there was no way that we were to know like a day before that this podcast was going to drop. And it was just the universe, right? And yeah. you just sit there and if you believe in this, but I believe in it now, the universe will talk back to you. 10-second miracles. I, I talk about them every day. Exactly. Look for that 10-second miracle. Something will happen, mm-hmm. and you'll be like, oh, there it was. There it was today. You think, of a, you think of a song, and you get in the car, and it's on. You try to do something, and it just becomes so incredibly difficult that you can't do it. But the thing you do instead, something incredible happens exactly. in a positive way. And it only happened because the other thing didn't happen. And, and then you just yeah. go about your day. But just know that it happened, right? And yeah. same thing with my way. So our strategy was love and emotion. What other two great things to go out there and perform? And then you're going to hit them with my way, which my way, I I don't know how I got it. It was my first pick, but there were so many 70s guys and we're sitting there like going through the ratios of 50s to 70s. And there was a lot of young, early year Elvises in yeah, this. Yeah. Talented guys. Talented, young 50s ETAs in this contest. And I mean, I was like, wow, we've got five. That's, that's incredible. You know? Um, so you, you, you go through the, the song selection period and I just felt at ease when we submitted it and there was no second guessing because I normally, I normally do, oh man, I hope this is right. I hope I probably call, you know, our, our, uh, our buddy, Alex Mitchell and say, you know, I just really, do you really think? Do you really think? And I'll talk to Jeff. I'll, t- or I'll talk to you, Tom. And I'm like, you know, is it, is it really that, like, do you think I'm going to get, I never said, do you really think? And I never said if either. I said how. Yeah. How yeah. are we going to do this? When? I, I, I used to, uh, I was a huge, uh, for a long time, a huge NASCAR fan. And there was a driver named Mark Martin that when he won the race, he wouldn't do a burnout because he said, I'm expected to win the race. It's not a surprise. Where's the winner's circle? I'm going there. I mean, I, I always love that because usually a winner, usually a winner in NASCAR and a lot of things are like, oh my God, I can't believe I won. Well, that's you're expected to win. Why Ooh. are you doing this? Yeah. And the way everything happened this year, I think you're in a place you're appreciating it more, but you understand now why all those other 10 second miracles happened previously with third Absolutely. place, second place, second place, third place, second place. You understand now that you've gotten to this side of 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 the river, you know. Absolutely, you, you, you cross that now, and you understand. Absolutely, and and the biggest thing, you know, some of the guys, there were a lot of first timers. Amazing achievements for them getting in the ultimate the first their first time, and you you go through this and you hear things and you and and there was one in particular thing that triggered me, and I was like, whoa, not a bad way, but it was just like 
wait a minute, I used to say that, you know, say things of like, you know, man, I just hope that this doesn't, this doesn't happen. And you can't, you can't say that. Right. And this is, this is a testament. I hope the guys listen to this because stay out of your own way. Cause you are the only person that's in your way. You know, nobody else is, you're not competing against anybody else but yourself. And Tom, from the, from the stage, all these things Cody's talking about, you were backstage when he talks about the laser focus that he had, I was watching him and I go, this kid's a foot taller and 10 years older than I remember him from a few days ago. And his Mm -hmm. focus on his hand movements on the lyric, I understood every single lyric and Cody, you'd mentioned, and Tom had talked about relief. And I just want to explain to the the listeners what that kind of what they're talking about. You talk about Mark Martin, you know, Tom Brady, all these great athletes, they win a Super Bowl. They got to go compete. All they're thinking about is the next practice. Now that he's won the ultimate, Cody's won the ultimate. Now he can just go out and represent. You don't have that. You know, that's why they, that relief comes from. You don't have to worry about the contest aspect of it. Now you can just go be the best ETA and performer you can be. And that's why I say he's going to be yeah. such a great representative yeah. for all of us. We've talked family. Coat, now you're a member of a huge family of Elvis. Yes. You're a member of the family inside your production company. because And, and by the way, we all have this uh, incredible feeling of love toward you, not just because you write checks, but because <laughs> we're, because we're family. And no one goes against the family. <laughs> everybody has everybody's back. Everybody is available at any time to do anything on stage uh, or tear tickets if that's needed yeah. because of the family. But now you're a member of another family. You're a member of the ultimate tribute artist champions family that only have how many members? Say I'm the 16th. 16th 17th? You're 16th. There you go. You're, you're a member of a 16-unit family that no one else understands except you 16. And now your name goes on that trophy. It, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was talking to him that night. And we're all just, we had that after dark uh, thing, which was so much fun. Uh, and yes. everybody having fun with each other that was on the stage. It was really great. And he looked at me, he goes, Oh man, I got money too. <laughs> he totally forgot about was, the money. No, <laughs> y- listen, listen. I uh, So no, no joke. I mean, he's serious. And it's like, I was out front meeting, greeting people after, after dark and the accountant ladies are there and they were like, Oh my God, congratulations, blah, 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 blah. And I looked at him and I go, Oh my God, I want 20 grand. I forgot. <laughs> and I literally just lost it all over again. And I was oh, like, was I, so I don't even care. And they're like, we'll keep it. I said, no, no, I never said that. I never said, I never said you could, <laughs> you should use it as a tax write off. No, no. It's just so crazy because I, I I wasn't doing it, and this is again cliche. I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because it's something that I wanted since I was a kid. I wanted to have the ultimate. I wanted it. Yeah. Uh, just like everybody else in this industry wants it, and I don't think. Yeah, my gosh, twenty grand's phenomenal. I'm not pushing that to a side. But you want the lineage. You want to be a part of the lineage. You want to be a part of that title. You want to be a part of the. Like Tom said, the family of yeah. of ultimates, and um, as Pat told, uh, called me that night, uh, welcome, welcome to the club, freshman. Yeah, that was <laughs> so, great. That's cool. <laughs> so, guess what? Ultimate ultimate hazing is is real, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's 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 real. When we did the first chance this year after Cody won. 
I got up there and, and Cody was there, of course. And I said, uh, uh, all right, now whoever gets crowned the, the champion tonight gets to compete and finally take this trophy away from Cody. Of course, we're all just having fun at his expense. Cody, how old were you? Talk about Tupelo Tom with us. When you did the recreation of Elvis buying the guitar in Tupelo. My God, I had to have been like, oh God. 13, 10, 13, 13 years 12, old, something like that. 12 years old. Thanks and so. I see this picture in the hardware store. It's still there. It's a painting, actually, of this little kid buying the guitar. And I go, that's Cody when he was a kid. Uh, <laughs> I'm in I'm in town hall, they told me. There's yeah, a, there's that's a, there's so a cool. picture of me in town hall. And I, I just remember Tubalo was the first Elvis festival that I ever went to. Um, and it was in 07 when uh, Brandon won. And that was yeah, the first year. Yeah. And I think uh, they they actually like they, they opened up the ultimate and there was like no like you could win your spot. But like there it was there was like loads of ETAs that entered into the into the ultimate and, and won their spot and stuff like that. And Brandon didn't win that year. He actually won the year after that. And um, but I we, we saw Brandon and I got to sing in Fair Park um, with tracks and they were doing a youth contest my first year. And nobody signed up except me and Alex Swindle signed up, and <laughs> yeah. blast from the past, right? And um, we, uh, I, I did the the main stage show, and then they, they, that's when they brought me back, and we did the, um, we did the recreation um, uh, a couple years later, and it was so cool, um, such a crazy thing looking back at. I mean, because I have such a strong connection with Tupelo. I really do. Yeah. And Debbie's daughter-in-law played yes. Gladys, Gladys, correct? Yes, yeah. she did. Yep. Yeah. And I actually, I did that recreation, I think, uh, two two to three years. And then you aged out. And then you I aged out. out category. And now, yeah. you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't fit in the overalls. I don't even know where they are. That was, you know, and that was 07, 08, and 09. I was a judge. Seven and eight, I was a judge in Tupelo. Seven, eight, and nine, I was a judge at the Ultimate in Memphis. And eventually, after having sat back, and watch these guys, I, you know, I couldn't fraternize. I couldn't go to the after parties. I couldn't, I didn't want to see any of the guys because I didn't want anybody to go, Oh, I saw him talking to that guy. So I, you know, it, finally after three years, I'm like, I want to hang out with these guys. These guys are experts in a study of a man who I grew up with here in Tupelo. But, you know, I always say, if you're doing a trivia contest, you want an ETA on your team because they've looked at it way deeper than fans have looked at it in, in most cases. Um, I, as much of an Elvis fan as I am, Jeff, I don't know what ring he wore on his third finger in, in Roanoke in 74. But it was a horseshoe. Coat I'm just does. Kidding, no. I mean, there are, there are people out there. He just Maltese cross is always a good guess. For Maltese necklace. cross. Uh, yeah, Malt has a Maltese cross. He said ring, doesn't matter. Maltese That's cross. That's true. Uh, exactly. It was a Maltese cross ring. Uh, you know, yeah, sure, <laughs> fine. Okay. Just say anything quickly with confidence and most of the people will buy it. That's my life <laughs> lesson. But so it, it's interesting that, that you have this place now um, in your head, in your headspace, that you've, you've achieved this. And I had this, this question written down at the very beginning that I wanted to, to, to get to, and I think we've gotten there now, is we've talked about what happened at the ultimate you've had some days to to come to terms with this to watch the videos to make sure that it really happened yes that's me on stage yes i did win okay hopefully by now you've cashed that giant check and that's sitting in the bank i haven't you haven't okay well i i i would get that i get that thing deposited yeah, pretty quick <laughs> um and i would walk in the bank with the big check um that's always been my dream 
And by the way, <laughs> big check, bigcheck.com is where you can buy those. Uh, you can get those. You oh, can well, get them funny. yourself. Bigcheck.com. Oh, uh, yes, bigcheck.com. I'm writing that down. So, okay, Coat, what's what's the next stage now? You've had this planned out. You can now activate the next stage. You know, the booster rocket has taken you off and it's time to go to the next stage. What's next? Tour and represent as as many places as I can for 365 days. Um, we were so obviously just so such an amazing thing that everybody has built with the festivals and stuff like that. And we have that Avenue that we're going to ramp up and to so many different ways. And, but also, um, I've actually started, uh, booking myself on an Elvis tour. Um, unknowingly prepping i guess for this in the universe <laughs> and now it can be called the ultimate elvis concert tour um and mm-hmm. you know we can we can do that and 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 that's the next step i i, I love the festivals i i can't can't wait to step on the stages uh, of all the different uh venues that we have booked and all the different places we're going to go um mount dora arizona and texas are the next ones and georgia are the next ones up and then re-step on the stage with uh my brothers and mine uh myrtle beach uh elvis festival stage i can't wait to hold the mantle and entertain uh there but i i want to i want to go everywhere i don't i don't want to i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to have a moment to rest this year mm-hmm. uh, That's great. and i don't think i am because there's no yeah. there, we're, the weekends are filling up very fast uh, i Going going internationally is is uh, a, a big was a big goal of mine, and we actually were we're I'm, I'm fortunate enough to say that we are we are going uh, to Australia multiple times next year. Um, talking about uh, going to Norway, Germany, uh, England, um, Canada, and and Texas, and Texas. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's a whole other country. <laughs> <laughs> international yeah the the franklin theater will be the home of cody daneth yes uh, luckily brian brian mays and myself locked locked him in at his pre ultimate price ultimate price uh, for 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 four shows on saturday and sunday december 16th and 17th a matinee and a night show i want to talk about that really quick we've we y- y'all have grown that um well you've i mean we went from one show to two and then we went from two to four to four it may, it may be a festival of just christmas christmas shows. man i mean we're up to four i mean it's it's so cool and to be back at you know where where the nashville elvis festival started and still have that vein that you guys are in and to yeah. drive the people to the bigger venue because you guys outgrew that venue um, and it, and, and it was time for, for, for a move and you guys found a new home at the factory and yeah. it's such a great, uh, great venue. Uh, it feels like home. You, we were talking about it backstage at the ultimate, um, after everything, um, you know, transpired and we're talking about, oh, now it can be the ultimate Christmas with the King or something like that. Whatever <laughs> we were talking about, we we're just talking about whatever came to our minds. And and he and, and you were like, we were we were already talking to the production staff. They're excited. They know that you won. It's going to be great. And it, they know how it is, man. It, it just it's like a a well oiled machine when you walk in there. And to yeah. to to come from the palace, uh, and and Jeff uh, bringing his friend Santa Claus in all the way from That's from right. the North Pole. <laughs> And um, being able to be a part of it in the early years of of, of the concert and um, just 
growing it from there to to the Franklin Theater and then having four shows is just incredible, man. And and it's an extension of the Nashville brand too. It's a staple for you also as a performer to be able to have. Uh, you know, a group of songs that you only get to sing one season a year and relearn them every year, just in time for the show to take place. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. I say it on stage every time. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I told you guys that I was going to learn these songs. And then, yeah. you know, Christmas got over and, uh, you know, then I wanted to celebrate Easter and sing all those <laughs> great Easter songs that we know and love. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to win the ultimate Santa Claus contest that you can bring me in my, at my new Santa Claus rate, I think is what we need to do, <laughs> you know, and we got, it, it's so great um, with, with the festivals and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Aaron Sykes uh, and Jeannie Nichols too, actually um, after Cody won, Aaron sent this email. She's a, was a great athlete and her sons are great athletes, Axel and Braxton both. And of course, Braxton's a, a, genius on on uh, guitar uh and he's a young up-and-coming eta and her husband was a great uh, baseball player she sent out this email to all the team and the family and it was so vince lombardi-esque i mean i was ready to strap on a helmet and go play anybody i'd get crushed nowadays but it was so inspiring and it was all about us working together and being a team and and it's so weird tom that you'd mentioned whether it's tearing up tickets or putting sasters on seats or taking the stage, we all take it seriously. We all move forward. And it was so inspiring. And that's the kind of team that, that um, uh, I started in Helen. And, and I feel like Cody has really mastered with all of his festivals that we work so well. And we are a family. And that's just one other step and one other bonus to this victory that, while Cody won it, we can all share in, and it's really yeah, exciting. Yeah, it 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 like I said, it it was. Um, I I had only been doing uh, a few Graceland tours by the time the uh, the contest took place. So when Cody's leaving on this high uh, with with winning and everybody celebrating, uh, then the next day I had to I had to I had to go to work. Yes, you did you know, with with my thing. And it, to me, it's always to me the, the our family of performers. It's like it, it one at one moment in time, somebody's yeah. got the baton running with it, and they've got. It's like okay, the coach got this now. Okay, okay, coach coming to the end. Okay, I got I got to get ready. Or Dean's gonna. Okay, yeah. D- Dean's gonna take it. Boom, Dean's got it. He's running with it. Okay, now I gotta I gotta go do three and a half hours of conversation. Exactly. Hand me the baton. I got it for the next three and a half hours. Like we're we all like have this system down that we're we're ready when the moment's there. But especially in this case, to be able to sit back and be so proud and so happy for you and to feel like, like I said, like a part of the family. It's like, you know, it's 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 been an amazing experience. I've never been a part of something like this before that's just grown. I'm in my 23rd year hosting events for Graceland wow. and, and it's it's getting more exciting every year. I'm stunned by what EPE can put together for not only Elvis Week, but for birthday, all the festivals that I'm a part of now with Coat. Um, that I'm able to to go and, and do what I do and take that baton and kick it off. And I love when when I get my rundowns from from Cody. It, it's just like you know. And then Tom, and then Tom, you do the you do the Tom Brown thing right here, and then introduce this guy. And whatever that Tom Brown thing is, he's like you you, you know you know what you, you you know what that is. Just do your thing, do your thing there. And, and I love the story, Tom. <clears throat> when when I when we took over Helen the festival in Helen and, and me and Carolyn and Jeannie and Brooke and Susan were having this 
teleconference. And I said, I know this is my festival, but what do you guys think about bringing in the greatest MC in our business, Tom Brown? I was a little hurt at how fast they said, yes, please. <laughs> but, uh, and so that we, we used to, you came in and started doing that. And one thing I was thinking about, once you guys are, are done running with your batons, then you hand it to the oldest one here to go do the after parties. Thanks a lot for that job. Uh, uh, but I get to stay up late when you guys are, are done working. But uh, you're uh, right. I, I appreciate you saying. I appreciate you saying the oldest one. So thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, almost. Uh, almost. Yeah. <laughs> I stay young because I, I I try to be in as many photos with young people as possible. And Tom, I want to brag on Cody Cody as well. Um, something I don't, I don't, we won't talk about. You'll have to see it at the festival. But I can just tell you the conversation we had last night. He's not settling for being an ultimate. He's already thinking of other ways to grow with the festivals, to expand the festivals, to expand his show, to write new shows. That's the way we've always looked at things is, is to have honesty, integrity, and to continue to improve and, and, and create. And, and, it's, it's, and, and then to have all these young ETAs coming up that are so talented. Uh, like, like Jerry Schilling told you, Tom, uh, put him in front of Elvis, he'll do the rest. Yeah. And, I'm honored to to be just a small part of that with with us and this team. And I, Cody, as you were talking about what your plans are and what your plan had been, it reminds me I was a theater major, and in theater, one of the classes we have is improv comedy. And when you're improving together on stage with another actor, uh, the rule of improv is it's it's always yes and it's never no. So if I say we're on a spaceship heading for Mars, as a performer, you don't say no, we're not. We're in a taxi you 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 build on it the the rule of improv is yes and we're on a spaceship headed for mars yes and elvis is on the spaceship with us yes and so is all the memphis mafia so absolutely. it always builds I, I love your attitude about this is now that you're the ultimate absolutely yes, and absolutely blank yeah it's it's positive forward I, I just the sky's the limit now right you know there's nothing there yeah. that chapter like i said We've closed the the book on that chapter. We wrote, we put the period down. We finished that story. Now we've got a new book, and we're going to start writing another one. And we we're this is it, man. I mean, I, I am so excited about what you know. I'm I'm sure that I've I've talked to uh, both of you about what we're going to do next year, and the fans are going to have to wait a couple more months to find out what we're going to do because we're not going <laughs> to tell them. Um, we can't we can't show our hand. Um, but it's going to be incredible and it's going to be amazing. And we're going to do it as a family and we're going to do it. And I can't believe you talked me into getting in a jumpsuit. I really can't believe that's, that's just gonna, people are going to be. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, listen, uh, Mimi's making your wig right now. And, um, mm-hmm. she, she, she's actually <laughs> yeah. making you cause you're going to have to shave. So she, we, we took a mold of your goatee while you're no, asleep. I've got a piece to go. I've got a piece oh, to go you do? on the okay, good. I've got a piece to go on that. <laughs> Yeah, prosthetics. I'm using prosthetics. 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 Yes. 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 Whatever that Pete. Whatever that word is. Mimi Palazon, by the way, has a uh, great company that she makes wigs and sideburns. Be sure and look her up. Strictly Elvis sideburns and wigs. Strictly Elvis. It's phenomenal. She she's worked on uh, Oscar winning movies and just has an amazing talent. But The Grinch, Planet of the Apes, and The Shape of Water. That's a weird movie. But I know I speak for everybody, Cody, um, when I say that. Everybody that was at the Ultimate, including the entertainers, uh, everybody that was part of EPE's Elvis Week and was part of the the core group is so proud of you 
and so happy for you. And there was only one guy that could have won the ultimate, and that was Cody Dalnath. And man, we love you and congratulations. I love you guys too, man. I love you. And um, like I said, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna represent it with respect, and I'm gonna hold the uh, the uh, the title well. And um, and I just I'm, I'm not gonna stop because it doesn't end. You're you're an ultimate forever. You have that next to your name. Um, it never yeah. goes away. You're just you know, but you got to make, this is, this is an interesting take. And I want this to, I want to say this. People look at the ultimate and they're like, man, the ultimate's going to make your career. It doesn't make your career. It never made anybody's career. The man makes the ultimate. That's what happens. You make the ultimate. Yes. You yeah. have the number one marketing tool and number one name in our industry, what are you going to go out there and do with it? Yes, and. Yes, and. That's it. That's how I look at it. That's how I've looked at it so many times. And you you can do what you want with it, and you can can drop it to whatever you want to do, you know, because – yeah. yeah, I just I'm I'm personally glad that that Pat Dunn and all the other guys are going to begin the hazing process of you. They just have to remember that I write their checks. So <laughs> that's well, that's just kidding. True. I'm just kidding. That's true. So don't so don't break his hands. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't break my hands, please. <laughs> I can't I can't hold the pen in my mouth. It just doesn't work. All right, Coat. Uh, I don't know when the next. Uh, if this is this is money in the bank, baby. Money, money in, the, in bank. the bank. I'm so excited. It's for a wrestling pay per view. Yeah, we got it now. The tradition is. <laughs> We, now the p- tradition is we have to do uh, SummerSlam have before to. Elvis Week. Uh, I, let's go to SummerSlam yeah, next year. How about that? Now. And then we'll fly. We'll there you fly go. in. Let's do it to Memphis and have no voice. There you go. And you'll be talking like this the entire exactly. time. Exactly. Scream for Cody Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> Coach, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for making time, and uh, we will see you down the Absolutely, road. Absolutely, fellas. Thank you so much for having me, and I love you guys. Thank you for everything. In case you didn't know, Jeff, that's uh, Cody Danith, the uh, the new Ultimate Champion right there. 2023 Ultimate Elvis Champion of the World. Hey, don't go away. We are not done talking. Yes, we have more. Yes, and. The Texas Elvis Weekend is happening October 5th through the 7th at the Waco Convention Center. Starring Vic Trevino, Donnie Edwards, Craig Parker, and 11 other world-class tribute artists paying tribute to the legacy of the King of Rock and Roll. This event is officially licensed and endorsed by Graceland and the estate of Elvis Presley. For more information and to purchase tickets, visit www.texaselvisweekend.com or call 352-789-7269. Well, Jeff, we still have some talking to do before we wrap this thing up. And one of the things I want to talk to you about and to let Elvis fans know, if you haven't done this yet, uh, either on CD or LP or on any of the streaming services, there is a new uh, set of uh, Elvis Aloha from Hawaii, a new mix that uh, Ernst Jorgensen and Roger Seaman from uh, from RCA and Sony and Matt Ross Spang, the Grammy Award winning producer, um, has worked on this project. We had an Aloha listening event 
at the Guest House Theater, and we played selections from this. And it's also available the uh, the, the entire listening event. The my interview with everybody uh, exists out there on the internet, and we'll put a link for that um, on our talking webpage. Uh, but it's it's interesting if if you've uh, listened to Aloha from Hawaii as many times as we I know you have and I have to to hear this mix. Because think about this, when when Aloha happened, it happened on the night of the 14th, those tapes were sent back to Los Angeles. They mixed the LP in one day. Wow. Four sides, 20-some songs, they mixed it in one day, and that's the version we've been left with all these years. Now Matt has gone back into those master tapes. He has exactly what the mix was, and he said he was stunned when he started listening to the tapes and there was all this stuff that, that got mixed out, piano, strings, horns, things that you've never heard before. It's an entirely new listening experience. Um, I suggest starting, if you just want to get an example of it, find the American Trilogy that's the on this version and listen to that. You're going to hear things on that that you've never heard before, either if you listen with uh, earbuds or headphones or in the car. And I just, I can't recommend it enough. It's an absolutely uh, fascinating release. And you really hear the artistry of, of what they had live in that venue. It's, it's amazing. The, uh, the, the Aloha from Hawaii 50th anniversary edition. And you played part of it at Conversations. I, I couldn't yeah. believe the difference in the sound. That's right. Yeah. Ernst came to that as well. We got that in front of those fans there as well. Uh, I always say that, that, um, Anytime you get a listening party uh, at Graceland, people are going to come because to to be able to listen to Elvis that loud in a in a theater, that that itself, I would go into an empty theater with nothing going on, just Elvis music playing, with 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 how it feels and how it sounds at the Guesthouse Theater. So I was able to do that. Um, the the celebration of Lisa's life was an amazing event that Jerry Schilling was a part of that we had talked about. Uh, Plans kind of shifted on on how that event was going to run. Linda Thompson became a part of it. Um, uh, just a, a lot of uh, an, an emotional evening uh, just right before Candlelight with Joel Wanshanker hosting. Um, I attended the Gospel Brunch with the Blackwood Brothers for some gospel music, and that's always an amazing thing. But one of the shows I wanted to talk about uh, was the Rock and the Jukebox show, where the guys, the ETAs, get together and kind of do their alter ego artists. You know, they're known for doing Elvis. So Dean Z did his tribute to Ricky Nelson. Uh, Brandon Bennett did his tribute to Garth Brooks. Uh, ben Thompson, Roy Orbison. Uh, Tara was there, uh, David Lee's wife, and she was giving her tribute to Reba. And Jay Dupuy brought some Elvis to the screen and to the stage. But until you've seen Dwight Eisenhower... <laughs> as Elton John, until you've seen that, I don't really think you've seen Dwight Eisenhower. It, well, it's the first time I'd ever seen anyone wearing angel wings backstage. Yes. Um, for way longer than he needed to. Uh, <laughs> he was ready hours, hours before the show. Dwight Eisenhower's tribute to Elton John. He's seen Elton. I don't know. He's seen him like 160 something. 180 times. 100, some insane number. An amazing yeah. amount. It's absolutely one of the most wonderful experiences yes. to hear him. And I was sitting over on the side of the stage in the audience, but I was in his direct eye line. So throughout many of the songs, he would be singing and he would just throw in like, 
Tommy Brown knows what I'm talking about. I mean, just absolutely <laughs> hysterical. And he becomes Elton John backstage. He, Dwight is not yeah. there. He is Elton. And there's one other person, Jeff, that I wanted to mention uh, as we're talking about August events at Graceland, and that is the fact that we are there remembering Elvis um, around the day of his passing on August 16th, but it was August 14th in 1958 that Gladys Presley passed away. And I always like to remember her during August. And I know a lot of fans, they send flowers to to all the Presleys that are there. But I did want to acknowledge uh, Gladys Presley's passing on August 14th. And I also, in August, Jeff, always remember someone, you know, they always say that celebrities, they pass in threes, you know, kind of out there. There was a celebrity... Now imagine being a celebrity who passes away only a day or two after Elvis in 1977. Uh, three days on August 19th, 1977, Groucho Marx passed away, one of the Marx brothers. Wow. <laughs> and I've always kind of felt bad for him for that because yeah. everybody, I mean, he's one of the greatest comedians on film and in, in vaudeville ever and passed away three days after Elvis. It was years before people realized that Groucho was gone. Just mm. always like to remember Groucho. And uh, as we close up this episode, I think we've had an amazing opportunity to get inside the head of a winner, of, of Cody Danith. And just I'm so proud of him and the plan that he had. And he has finished that book. He has finished that chapter. He has put that ultimate book on the shelf. And it sounds to me like he's beginning a new one. And I we wish him all the best. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Unless you can think of anything else, no other Marx Brothers are gone that I know of since then. Babe Ruth died on August 16th. But he had his years. Yeah, he had his years. Yeah, not 1977. I mean, we had time to get used to that. I mean, he had he had looked portly and, and bad for a long time, and then <laughs> when he finally went on August yeah. 16th. Uh, but other than that, I can't think of any other thing to say other than... Uh, I hope everybody had a great time at Elvis Week. I, I want to thank everybody for watching virtually because I know they had that we were virtually available. I was hearing from people in England and Europe that were watching my conversations, which I think I came on in the middle of the night in some places. But uh, thanks for them for watching the virtual. And uh, I, I have a feeling that, uh, Jeffrey, we will see each other down the road here pretty soon. Very soon, just a couple of weeks. You know, working for the ultimate. So uh, yep. without further ado... I'm Tupelo Tom. And I'm Big Lou. And And we're we're done done talking. If you've enjoyed this episode of Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talking, please visit us online at www.tupelotombiglutalkin.com and on Instagram and Twitter at Tupelo Tom Big Lou or drop us a line at Tupelo Tom Big Lou at gmail.com. This podcast is made possible by executive producers Jeff Lewis and Tom Brown, producer and editor Alex Mitchell, technical advisor Michael Culliford, promotions and marketing advisor Cody Dayanath, and also in part by our sponsors and listeners like you. Do you have an Elvis-related event that you'd like featured on Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talkin'? Email us at TupeloTomBigLou at gmail.com to find out more. 